Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey everybody, it's Jeff from Single Tracks. Today is October 1st, and this is podcast number one. Today we've got three articles, and the first one is about a huge product recall affecting 1.5 million mountain bikes from 17 different brands uh, due to quick release issues. So 17 mountain bike brands are voluntarily recalling 1.5 million mountain bikes with quick release levers. In these 1.5 million bikes, the quick release can actually open more than 180 degrees, thereby getting caught in the disc brake rotor. While obviously a bike should never be ridden with the QR open, some of us have actually had quick release levers work themselves loose on extremely rough extended descents. And according to the press release on quickreleaserecall.com, a rider should check the website to see if his or her bike is part of the recall. A rider with a bike that is subject to the recall should stop riding the bike and take it to the dealer to have the dealer install a new quick release. In many cases, the replacement can be accomplished in as quick as five minutes. This recall affects mountain bikes sold from 1998 to 2015, so almost 20 years of bikes. And these, these quick release levers are typically going to be silver or black. So how to determine if your bike is affected? We have some, some diagrams on singletracks.com, but basically if you open the quick release completely, flip it back 180 degrees, if it's within uh, the width of a pencil, like a regular number two pencil of your rotor, then you're going to need to get that replaced. Brands affected by this recall include Access, Breezer, Cannondale, Civia, Diamondback, Felt, Fuji, Giant, GT, Haro, Jameis, Norco, Novara, Raleigh, Ridley, and Specialized. Again, it's a lot of bikes. One quick fix if, if you don't want to go through the trouble of taking a bike into your shop, you can actually just flip the quick release around. A lot of people already do this running the lever on the opposite side of the rotor and for safety reasons, but also just so that you're not, you know, constantly banging your knuckles on the rotor or, you know, getting greasy fingers on them. Um, whenever you open and close the quick release. So that's that's the big news for today. In other news, so yesterday Niner announced a brand new mountain bike and it's called the RKT9 RDO. And this is a this is a really sweet cross-country bike. I actually had a chance to go out to Niner and visit in June to ride the bike. And so I'm really stoked about sharing this review. So today Niner announced a brand new mountain bike, the RKT9 RDO which is a short-travel, full-suspension race bike that's sure to dominate 2016 podiums around the world. Like I said, I got a chance to ride the RKT back in June, and so I'm excited to share what I learned about this bike. So the RKT9 features a carbon frame with a CVA linkage, which offers 90 millimeters of rear suspension travel. Frame weighs about 4.5 pounds with the shock, thanks to Niner's RDO carbon compaction tech, which results in a strong yet lightweight frame. Niner also points out that the new RKT offers the lowest standover height of any of their bikes, and it also has short 439mm chainstays, 
for maximum responsiveness and maneuverability. The frame is set up for internal cable routing for a clean aerodynamic look. Oh, and the medium and large frames even have two water bottle mounts. A rarity these days, but something racers should definitely appreciate. So with a 71 degree head tube angle, it's clear the RKT was built for maximum pedaling and climbing efficiency. And yet the RKT gives a nod to modern trends in mountain biking with the ability to run 2.4 inch tires. And most builds actually come stock with a 2.35 inch Maxxis Icon up front, which is a burly tire, and also boosts 148 spacing in the rear. Just a few years ago, a thoroughbred cross-country steed like this would have been specced with a 2.1 inch or narrower tire. But as all types of riders seem to be discovering, wider is better and faster. Niner specs the RKT with a 100mm fork up front to give the bike a bit more control when running fast and rough, while still maintaining an efficient climbing platform in the rear. In addition, Niner's patented CVA linkage, quote, allows for pedal forces to operate independently of wheel travel, end quote. So over the past few years, the industry has seen a number of cross-country bikes evolving into trail bikes with slightly more travel and slacker head tube angles. Of course, there's a trade-off, which means trail bikes don't climb as well as straight XC bikes. Niner has experienced this evolution within their own lineup, as the Jet 9 spec has been trending toward the more aggressive end of the cross-country spectrum. During his testing, our own Aaron Chamberlain found the Jet 9 to be a much more aggressive and capable bike after upgrading the 100mm fork to 120mm. But an aggressive cross-country slash trail bike isn't for everyone, particularly serious cross-country riders, which leads us to the RKT. Niner's definitely making a statement with the RKT that the 29er is still the best platform for building a fast, lightweight, and racy mountain bike. So as I, I mentioned in the intro, I got a chance to ride the RKT back in June on the Blue Sky Trail outside of Fort Collins. And the bike I rode lines up roughly with the four-star XO one Fox build that Niner's currently offering for $6,700. My test bike felt super lightweight and plasticky, almost like a toy. With the technology to make a mountain bike this lightweight, it's certainly a great time to be a mountain biker. The Blue Sky Trail isn't terribly steep or technical, but it's also not smooth either. Think small bumps, ripples, and short techie rock jumbles. The RKT9 RDO felt stiff and ultra-responsive, tracking every bit of the trail with precision. This is what riders expect from a race bike, though it's not necessarily as comfortable as, say, a bike with a more plush suspension platform. If you've ridden a specialized cross-country or even trail bike, you know the feeling. By staying glued to the trail, the RKT chews up climbs like a rock crusher. I'm no suspension expert, so I can't speak to the tech behind the CVA, but I can definitely say it makes the bike feel super rigid, even through deep pedal strokes. Combining the stiff suspension platform with the lightweight of the RKT, makes this bike climb better than almost every full suspension bike I've tested. Die-hard cross-country riders might not realize that suspension doesn't exist just for downhills. If suspension is set up correctly, it won't just get out of the way for the climbs, it will actually assist in them. While pedal bob is an efficiency zapper, having an active rear wheel is beneficial for traction, particularly on technical climbs. Here the RKT really shines over a traditional hardtail cross-country race bike, and I found myself maintaining excellent traction even through punchy, bumpy climbs. Of course, cross-country riders eventually have to come down, unless they're truly masochists and do stuff like hill climb races. And here, the RKT keeps riders moving along at maximum speed. Again, if you're just out for a joy ride, you're not using the RKT correctly. But if you're riding to win, or even just to set some new KOMs and PRs, the RKT is whip fast. Descending back down the Blue Sky Trail, we approached max speed, and the RKT kept its composure and control. 
thanks in part to the extra 10 millimeters of travel the fork offers over the rear suspension while skittering over everything in its path. In fact, the only thing that slowed me down was the handlebar height grass obscuring the trail ahead. Pricing for the RKT9 RDO will range from $4,500 for the two-star GX1 build all the way up to $9,500 for the five-star XTR 1x11 and RS1 build. All builds are based around a carbon frame as there's no alloy option for the RKT. I really dig the graphics and green color on the RKT I tested, though there's also a red version for those who prefer a racier color. The Niner RKT started shipping to dealers this week, so if you're lucky, you might even be able to see one in person at your local bike shop today. Niner will also be at Outer Bike this weekend with RKT bikes available for demo, so if you're at the event, I highly recommend you throw your leg over one of these brand new bikes. Our last story today comes from Alec Cervenka. Alec actually lives in Alaska, And he's been doing a lot of racing up there this summer. And this is his race report from the Arctic Mountain Bike Trifecta. Summer tends to fly by pretty quickly up here in the northern part of the globe. And this season was certainly no different. The Arctic MTB Club hosted its three-part end-of-the-season extravaganza recently. And riders from all over south-central Alaska came to celebrate the conclusion of another great series of races. The Trifecta takes the place of what used to be the Alaskan State MTB Championships and offers racers one last shot at glory with three distinctly different events, requiring riders to have a well-rounded repertoire of skills if they want to take an overall win. The first event took place at Anchorage's Hillside Trail System and was affectionately dubbed the Anti-Enduro by some. Easing yourself into the race series simply was not an option as the steep climb up the Spencer Loop was a challenge for even the strongest of heart and lung. A total of 56 racers lined up on a beautiful Alaskan summer night and waited eagerly for the official countdown to begin. With only one lap of the hill climb course, riders had to be decisive and commit themselves to the grueling climb up the Spencer Loop course. The instant the race official said the word go, the entire field was locked in a full sprint, with newly airborne dust billowing from the competitors' tires. As the cross-country trail narrowed down to a winding path through the woods, riders jockeyed for position and somehow avoided any contact. Alaskans tend to be polite, friendly people after all, and filed up for the grueling ascent. Over the next 2.3 miles, racers were stacked wheel to wheel, gaining position only when the rider ahead's legs faltered. At the end of the race, the victors were Will Ross, Megan Shelf, Chris Robel, Ellie Mitchell, Jason Slimmons, Brooke Theron, Candace Stull, Tom Peachel, Garrett Alderman, Maeve Nevins, Will Corbridge, and Amber Beth. After a much-deserved day of rest, the town of Girdwood was overrun by the colorfully kitted and their knobby-tired race machines. A question often asked by cyclists up here in Alaska, why suffer a little when you can suffer a lot, was answered by the race organizers who planned two challenging events at the Aleska Resort for Saturday. First on the agenda was a cross-country race utilizing a combination of trails and service roads that led riders up the steep face of Aleska. While the majority of the course demanded that riders keep their heads down and pedal, there were a number of technical sections to allow riders to give their legs a brief respite and instead put their bike handling skills to the test. First across the line at the morning's event were Will Ross, Megan Shelf, Dane Tudor, Ellie Mitchell, Chris Cavanaugh, Jessica Thompson, Keeley Wright, Candace Stull, Tom Peachel, Carl Lavar, Maeve Nevins, Will Corbridge, and Amber Beth. Not wanting to let the riders off easy, the last event of the 2015 season was the so-called Dirt Crit, which at first conjured up images of what could become a fairly boring loop around some flat terrain. However, not all crits are created equal, and what's exciting for roadies doesn't translate over to the masochists who prefer their cycling off the pavement. Using some of the initial and lung-searing course from the morning's events, racers then descended through the rocky and rooted single track, 
finishing with a booter to send themselves airborne back down to the start and finish line. Sticking to the criterium format, the novices and intermediate classes raced for 20 minutes plus one lap, while the experts endured 40 minutes plus one lap, which meant there were certainly opportunities to practice pacing strategies. For one rider in particular, a winning strategy was to stop just shy of the timing lights and strip down to his bibs. Whether this was for maintaining a pace or to please the rowdy crowd that had gathered at the Sitzmark Grill, we may never know. Once the dust had settled, after 30 and 40 painful minutes respectively, the winners of the Dirt Crick were Dane Tudor, Ellie Mitchell, Chris Cavanaugh, Jessica Thompson, Candace Stoll, Chris Shute, Will Corbridge, and Amber Beth in the novice and intermediate categories, with Will Ross, Megan Shelf, and Tom Peachel taking the top positions in the expert class. While the mountain bike races were over, riders are already looking forward to getting their next fix. From what I've been told, the cross season is pretty rowdy up here in the 49th state, so expect to see some mudslinging coverage coming here shortly. Also be sure to check out Arctic MTB's website and Facebook page for more info and to keep up on next year's events. And that's all we have for today. See you next time.